church planting missionary of uh, Radical City Church in Portsmouth, not to be confused with Portsmouth, um, though it's spelled that way, <laughs> um, Portsmouth, Virginia, um, and I am absolutely excited to, to be here. It's always an honor to stand before people who, um, who love the Lord and some who may not love the Lord as of yet and proclaim the gospel. Uh, it's also always, for me, one of the most nerve-wracking assessment, uh, assignments ever uh, in life, right? Um, I may seem at times up here more comfortable than I am, but the Lord has humbled me, and I am as nervous as all I get up all the time, amen? But God is faithful, and we love him for it, amen? And I want to, uh, with you, thank God for your pastor. I learned that you affectionately call him P.D., um, for P.D., um, as I wrestle through planting Radical City Church in Portsmouth, he is serving God well um, as a um, as a coach and a friend. I truly, truly appreciate God for him. Uh, real talk. The epiphany shown by epiphany on this weekend toward me and my family has been second to none. Listen, y'all, they made me feel like Jake's. You hear what I'm saying? I had everything except a private chat. It was... The carpet was rolled out between him and Lady Tia. Uh, my family felt loved, felt loved. It just goes to uh, be yet another testament of our connection with Acts 29 as a network, as a family of churches believing together to see God miraculously flip over some hard soils in the earth. Amen. Uh, now listen. Um, I am excited because I am looking out in the audience and seeing glimpses of revelations as I see every tribe and every tongue. This is what the Lord wants to see us all coming together as one body, many colors, right? Like this wonderful mosaic of what it looks like to be creation um, in pursuit of God. And so it is beautiful to see that Epiphany is yet another example of every tribe, every nation coming together to love Jesus. Now, I want to share something with you real quickly. I know it's an early morning service, but I need you to talk back to me. Somebody say, talk back to me. Amen. Listen, if you talk back to me, I'll get you out of here by at least 6.30 p.m., okay? If you don't talk back to me, it's going to be a slight problem, and I don't know when we're going to finish, because I'm going to feel like you're not getting it, okay? If it's whack, if it's great, say amen, say hallelujah. If it's whack, Say it's whack. I'll have security escort you out and and do better going forward. Okay. So uh, while we're standing, I mean while we're sitting, please turn with me to Hebrews eleven and one. Eleven, uh, the eleventh cha- chapter of Hebrews. Eleventh chapter of Hebrews. <clears throat> Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been forever will be. Sun, moon, winter, springtime and harvest. Sun, moon, and stars in the chorus above. Join with all angels in 
manifold witness to thine own faithfulness, mercy and love. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your love, your grace, and mercy that's brought us to this occasion. Thank you for Jesus, your son, whom without which we would not have a reason to gather. And so we thank you, God, that he still sits on the throne, that he has done all, God, in his part in playing our reconciliation back to you. And so this morning, God, we ask that you would meet us here with your presence, your love, your mercy, your grace. Shift the house as we come to you talking about how it looks to be faithful um, in the midst of a dying and broken world. We give you glory, honor, and praise for today. Lord, let my words be your words. Let my heart be your heart, God. Let it exemplify your thoughts towards us, God, both in a chastening, loving, chastening and loving way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, so I had a uh, thought. See how much time I got? Uh, okay, amen. So I thought through a few things uh, to preach through this morning. I was thinking about preaching Manifest Destiny, which would suggest from John 1, 1 that, um, you know, this it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and then jumps down and says, and the Word became flesh among us. I thought about talking about how uh, Jesus Christ was the manifested destiny of God's reconciliation reconciliatory intent for all humankind, right? I thought about preaching that. I thought about being a little more culturally sensitive, and I don't know, some of you may know that a while back, a guy named Nipsey Hussle was murdered in California, and I started to talk about the fruit of a hustle, right? The fruit of a hustle, and I started to uh, to point out how this man, who um, I would suggest was godless, right, and did not follow after Christ, uh, has all of this fanfare as he passes away, and I began to look at the church and and said to myself, what kind of legacy would the individual churches in our fellowship leave behind, right? What does the fruit of your hustle for Christ look like, right? So I thought about preaching that, but I'm not going to preach that either. Uh, Instead, instead, uh, we will deal with what uh, faith and trust in God looks like, okay? Um, Believing is seeing, right? Believing is seeing. There's a saying um, that I'm that that I made up about 20 years ago. Right? Believing is seeing. You, you're familiar with it. No, I didn't make it up at all, actually. Uh, but in Grief Observed, C.S. Lewis says this. He says, "You never know how much you really believe anything until its truth or falsehood, falsehood becomes a matter of life or death. It is easy to say you believe a rope to be strong." as long as you are merely using it to cord a box. But suppose you had to hang by the rope over a precipice. Would you then first discover how much you really trusted in it? It suggests, uh, this saying, uh, seeing is believing, um, suggests that for one to believe, one must first see what is being suggested tangibly, or at least an example of it. There has to be a reality of it before one believes what is being said. 
the first scripture in this discussion reverses that statement. I'm reading Hebrews 11.1, 1, the NLT version. It says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. In other words, faith gives, gives eyes to blind men, blind men who could not see, would not see the mystery of God's glory plan or providence without it. All right. It said faith gives eyes to blind men who cannot see, would not see the mystery of God's glory, plan or providence had they not had faith. It is this kind of faith that gives us this story. Turn to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the 7th verse. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat. To save his family from the flood, he obeyed God, who warned him about things that, he, that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the, he received the righteousness, that, righteousness that comes by faith. So, in the reality of the believer, the truth is not that see, uh, um, seeing is believing, but that believing is seeing. There is, no such, there is so much to unpack in verse 7 that I could preach a whole series on that alone. But in order for us to understand this little bit, I have to take you back to bring you forward. So God creates man perfect and without flaw, with dominion and rulership on the earth. He gives them responsibility and freedom to do as they will. They simply must obey one rule, don't eat from this particular tree. The scriptures show that they fail at that. They eat anyway. As a result, sin enters into the world and the hearts of men. This this sin separates us from the presence of God and introduces us for the first time to the penalty of death. This sin would be the culprit to many bad things, one being one of the most notorious murders that the Bible had ever seen. The murder that occurs between two brothers, right, and ends in the death of Abel, right? Man's heart is extremely wicked and godless, and the world has gone mad. This sin would put us in need of a Savior. This all happens, though. Just in the first few chapters of Genesis, Genesis 6, 9, this is the account of Noah and his family. Uh, And Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God, which is really similar to his great grandfather, Enoch. Right. Noah was a was Noah was not blameless because he was perfect. Noah wasn't immune to sin. Right. He wasn't righteous because he made all the right decisions, right? But he was, above all, faithful to God. It wasn't anything that, uh, that Noah did that made him righteous, righteous outside of his obedience and trust in the Father. And Noah had plenty of opportunity to obey. Right? If the world around Noah is wicked, it means that Noah has the opportunity to be wicked with them. Right? If we go to a movie... <clears throat> I'm a movie guy when I do watch TV. There's a movie called Evan Almighty. <clears throat> in this movie, it's a comical depiction of the story of Noah and the ark. Right? This guy is working. He's doing what he's doing, etc. God tells him to build an ark. People start looking at him like he's crazy. Okay? They start looking at him like he's crazy. They start ridiculing him, ridiculing him etc. Right? All of these things happen, and Noah continues, or Evan in this particular case, continues to be faithful. I'm using this so that when you see the movie, you'll see what we're talking about. He had all of the opportunity to disregard what he heard because the people around him were saying, well, quite frankly, what his flesh would say was true. You're bugging. Why are you building a big boat? 
It doesn't make any sense for you to do that. <laughs> it's crazy of you to do that. His wife is about to leave him, right? His wife is about to leave him. And I love this one scene in the movie. Uh, Morgan Freeman, who's playing God in this, in this particular movie, <clears throat> says to his wife, um, when she says, how are you, am I supposed to have faith with him? Like, how am I supposed to love him better when he's saying all of this crazy stuff? And Morgan Freeman says to her, he says, when God, when you ask God something, does he uh, do it for you or give you an opportunity to be it? Right? So I'm suggesting that when we ask God for more faith, do you think he's going to drop it out of the sky or put you in circumstances that would require you to exercise more faith? Here we are with Noah a righteous man, a blameless man, being faced with a decision to do something that he had never seen before um, because God simply said it. My title of the day is very simple. I don't have to see it if he said it. I, I don't have to see it if he said it, right? So Noah had plenty of opportunities to disobey, right? Uh, uh, he, uh, Genesis 6:11 says this way. He says, God observed all of this corruption in the world. For everyone on earth was corrupt. The 13th verse, he says, So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled their hearts with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all, uh, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. So here, the father of creation is about to wipe out all creation because they have, they have disregarded the creator. Right? Hebrews 11.7. So the first part of Hebrews 11.7, as we move swiftly through this, he obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before. One version of the scripture says, things that have never been seen. Here's a point to ponder. When God says it, I don't have to see it until I see it, if I ever see it. Right? When God says it, I don't have to see it until I see it, if I ever see it. What I mean there is this, right? Uh, when God says it, uh, the first part, I don't have to see it, meaning that, listen, I'm moving just because he said it, right? If he says there's a step here, though there isn't one, and then I'm going to step up a step, I'll make the step, and then y'all will be like, oh, my goodness, he's floating, right? Right? If I, until I see it, right, I'll see it once I make the step, right? If I ever see it. Now, what I mean by if I ever see it, many of us are living the realities of our grandparents' faith, Right? Many of us are living out the, are the manifestations of prayers prayed generations ago. <clears throat> Many of us, even, even in the systematic woes of this world, are the, uh, the examples of what someone saw in chains hundreds of years ago, right? There's a lot of things happening now that faith brought us to, and so I don't have to see it until I see it, if I ever see it. So I'll keep praying, I'll keep moving in faith, because it may affect my children and my children's children. Amen? Y'all talking back, y'all want to get out early. <laughs> Good gracious. For us, <laughs> for us, we have to see what God says, uh-oh. We have to see what, what God is saying tangibly for many of us. We have to see what God is saying tangibly before we step out there. God is calling some of us to a faith that trusts him enough to walk on water, or in this case, build a boat, for water coming that had never been seen before. We have to see it. If I could parenthetically pause for a second, I just want to ask you, what boat has God asked you to build? What boat has God asked you to build? God has given us dreams. 
plans. We've got books, manuscripts, plays, treatments for movies in our heads, and some of them are sitting on our desk, and they sit there because our lack of trust and faith in God hasn't produced in us the necessary things yet to build the boat. I'm suggesting to someone in here who feels the impression of God's calling to you for you to be greater by way of Holy Spirit to step out on faith and build your boat. Move in the direction of the impossible, that uh, the never seen, the never done, and see it because God said it. See it because God said it. Remember, faith produces sight. Faith produces sight. It did for Noah. God told Noah that it would rain for 40 days and 40 nights and it would produce a flood. Now, let me break this down. God asked Noah to build a boat that he had never seen for a God he had never seen because of some rain that was coming that he had never seen for a flood coming that he never seen. Right? So Moses is just, I mean, not Moses, Noah is just out here putting wood together. He don't even know what it's going to look like. Okay, he isn't an architect. He ain't got these engineer drawings. He doesn't even know what it's going to look like, right? Remember, I don't have to see it if he said it until I see it if I ever see it. Noah just started gathering the gopher wood. He just started putting together the the things. He just started nailing. I don't even know how they did what they did back then. I don't know what they made nails out of. All I know is Noah was the first carpenter, right? And he built a boat for some stuff that he had never seen before. Everything that God asked Noah to do. It took faith. It took trust. It took blind following. It took endurance. It took perseverance. How is your faith shaping up? What steps have you not taken because you had to see it first? For someone struggling with faith to launch out, trust God. Listen, to, listen for instructions and go get it. Don't be concerned with the length of time it takes to accomplish that. It's not necessary. Right? The first thing that we think about is... Uh, 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 when God has told us something and we start moving after it, we quit before we get to the end because it's taking too long, right? It took, it took Noah 120 years of faithfulness to build a 510-foot-long, four-story high boat for some stuff that was coming that he hadn't seen. Now, here it is. People are looking at this monstrosity saying, what in the world is that? Ha, 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 you foolish man. You wasted 120 years of your life for something that's not coming. But something that hasn't seen, and many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yo, I am trying. My business is just not taking off. I am trying to do everything I could do. I, my career field, I, I know I, I'm going to school. I'm taking the classes. I'm just not getting the steps up that I want to. And I know this is the path. It's just taking too long. God is saying, yo, endure that. Be patient. Because here's what you're, you're learning some things in the process. Noah could, I, Noah could definitely build a house if he built a boat from this point forward. Right. Right. So when God is telling us to be faithful, we want to make sure that we're faithful regardless of the length of time that it's going to take or how um, 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 or how long it's taking. Amen. So 120 years of faithfulness to build a 510 uh, foot uh, boat. Now, PD. Kind of gave you uh, a um, prelude to this, but. Oh, well, I'm going to tell him not to do this next service. Don't do it. He said, I won't do it. <laughs> so in February of this year, we found out that we were pregnant with our fourth, our fourth baby. After having three girls, we were mad excited because, Lord, 
you love me, <laughs> I love you, and this has to be a boy, okay? So everywhere we find out, we're hoping for it to be a son. We even had the blood test that would tell us uh, what we were having, and it came back inconclusive. It came back inconclusive. I thought for sure that God was playing games uh, because on April 1st, we found out that the baby had no heartbeat. So we're in the doctor. We're in the hospital. My wife calls me. I'm at work. She's crying, and she says, hey, honey, there's no heartbeat. So I rush down to the hospital. Um, she's there. At the whole time I'm praying, I'm like asking God, like, lift my faith, lift my faith. Um, we get there. It is conclusive. The baby didn't make it. We were 17, almost 18 weeks, I think. We're 17, almost 18 weeks. <clears throat> Sitting in the, now here's the thing, the Lord was gracious because it wasn't a situation where it happened spontaneously out of nowhere and that we had to call the ambulance or anything like that. Get to the hospital and they're giving us the different uh, options um, for how to terminate this situation. We can wait it out or we can schedule a procedure. We scheduled a procedure and even even in that, the doctors were baffled because we were smiling, we were talking, we were like, hey, you know, God knows. Uh, we don't know why this happened, but it is what it, what it is, et cetera. Sitting in the hospital, I heard the Lord clear as day say, go back immediately. Don't wait. The doctors are saying, hey, y'all have to wait six months to a year um, before you have another child. I'm be honest with you. Uh, outside of the Lord's voice, I was a little selfish. I'm about to turn 40. I ain't trying to have no kid at 40. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get this done. But the Lord said, hey, do this. My wife goes through a time period that, that, uh, that is natural for her to go through where she's now feeling the, uh, the, the aftershocks of having a baby, but we don't have the promise in our hands. Right? And so for her, it's difficult to move right into having another baby because what if this one doesn't? I know what I heard the Lord say. Right? I know what I had heard the Lord say. Uh, subsequently, uh, the Lord began to deal with Chanel, and about six weeks later, yeah, six weeks later, she was like, hey, uh, something's different. What she said was, and she ain't going to say it's miraculous, but I'm going to make it miraculous. What she said was, my womb jumped. I said, oh, really? We left it alone. Then she said, hey, I'm feeling sick like I was last time when we had found out she was pregnant. We go, we find out she's pregnant, right? Um, we have one of these crazy Monday night mayhem services, right, because we have service on Monday nights. We have a crazy Monday night. I couldn't preach. The Lord is moving. And one of our intercessors goes to Chanel and says, the Lord said, be excited about this. Right, we go to the doctor, and then we get the results back from the InfoC, and it is a boy of TPD. He ruined that. It would have been much more fanfare had he not told y'all <laughs> earlier. But he didn't know, so it's okay. Next, next service, they go back, oh, my God, I did. <laughs> but I said that to say this, that we could have taken the doctor's orders. We could have said, yo, they said don't do this anymore for a year, and your body isn't going to uh, accept this and all these good things. But we know what we heard the Lord, the Lord say. Now, I later found out that as I heard it, she also heard it, but she was going through the emotions of having just lost a child. Right? But God does all things well. Right? All we have to do is be faithful and trust that he said it. If he said it, I don't have to see it because he said it. Amen? And so 
This leads me to my final question. Does your faith stand out? Hebrews 11, 7, the last clause, uh, he says this. He says, but Noah's faith was so that it condemned the rest of the world, and he received righteousness that comes by faith. In other words, Noah's faith was so dope that everybody's faith, uh, uh, lack of faith looked crazy. Right? When is the last time side by side compared to your friends and your family you stood out? Or are you the one there looking just like them? When it comes to stand up for things that are, are righteous, right? When it comes up to stand for things that are justice driven, when it comes up to stand against your political connects and your friends and family who believe certain ways, does your faith stand out? Or do you side with what makes you tangibly comfortable on earth? We have to have a faith like Noah's that condemns the rest of the world because ours is so great. So that it points out to when people are faithless. So it points out to people that aren't making steps and making bold moves. I'm building a boat because you aren't. Right? I'm building a boat because you're supposed to build it with me. But your faith won't allow you to build a boat because you can't see what's coming. You don't trust God like you say you do. This scripture points out the human capability to trust in our Father. It is, it is not written to mock humanity's brokenness. But as an example of how we can walk after righteousness, how we can above all be faithful to the Father. And it shows clearly what the antithesis of a faithful life leads to, death. You know, we don't talk about this much anymore, right? Hell. Hell has become an, has become an untouched term. We want to please our congregants so we don't say things like that. Be nice. Say Eternal separation, right? <laughs> Use these words because it's less offensive, right? But let me emphatically say it again. A faithless, disobedient life will for certain lead to death. It will for certain lead to eternal damnation. It will lead to an eternal reality of being separated from God for eternity, it will lead to hell. It will lead to hell. Everybody standing. But it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. As I stated earlier, Noah was not blameless because he was perfect. Noah wasn't immune to sin. He wasn't righteous because he made all the right decisions. But he was above all faithful to God. It wasn't anything that Noah did that made him righteousness. It was his faith. It wasn't anything that made him blameless. It was his faith. It wasn't anything that he did that made him good. It was his faith. It was his obedience to trust in God. And it is this trust in God that brings us to salvation. And that salvation through Christ's sacrifice is what makes us righteous. You see, I didn't see this before I did it, but I always look for something that's in the scripture that I've never heard before. And I saw for the first time the ark as a typographical example of Christ, right? In him is righteousness. In him is goodness. In him is perfection. Right? The ark and Christ provide, were provided by God as a means of salvation. The ark was provided by God. Jesus was provided by God. Both endured the outpouring of God's wrath. Only in the ark was there escape from judgment. Only in Christ is there escape from judgment. Both must be embraced by faith. In the ark was all that was needed for preserving life after the flood. 
in Christ is all that is needed for life after life. But while the ark is temporal salvation, Christ is eternal. The ark was made of wood. Jesus was nailed to wood. The ark saved a few. But through Christ, many will be saved. And today you have an opportunity to come to Jesus, God's gracious provision for all. Some of us in here are believers. Praise the Lord. And the Lord is asking us to step it up in faith. Some of us are on the edge. Some of us grew up in church. I'm still doing my business. Right? God is calling us to step forward and make a decision to live for him forever. Because like Noah and the people who lived in that town, outside of the provision of an ark named Jesus, you will go to hell. Now this isn't me saying this to scare anybody into salvation because I know for a fact that scared salvation won't last. Hell is not a thing that should scare us. It's a thing that should make us appreciate Christ because he gave his son so that we don't have to go. Right? So the reason I try to preach uh, heaven above all things is because heaven is our escape room. I'm not scared of hell. I just love Jesus. And as a result of loving Jesus, I get to embrace eternity with him forever. Amen? Is there anybody here who wants to embrace eternity with him forever? And so now, God, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, we pray for the one who doesn't know you. We pray that in this moment, God, the Holy Spirit will begin to tornado their heart and wrap it with love and mercy and grace. Let there be a picture of all of the things that you've saved them from all of the times they could have been disconnected through death. Let this moment be the moment that they make a decision to follow you forever. I can't save them. PD can't save them. Only you can save them. Only you save Jesus. up in heaven forever. And for those of us, God, who are afraid to build boats, I ask, God, that you would endow us with a Holy Ghost boldness, that in the face of looking crazy, in the face of looking stupid, in the face face of unknown, that you would allow us to step out and build a boat in front of some people who are awed by what we've done. Let our crazy faith awe and stun people. Father, we pray that Epiphany Church would be the ark in Wilmington. That thing that stands out above all else that shows, hey, we are here. We are here because we represent the salvation of our Lord. We are unafraid. We are unapologetic. We will go into the dark places for the wild things to pull them out of the dark by the Holy Spirit's power. We pray that you, we, that you seal them in this, that you seal us in this moment love you forever because you are the God of forever.